message that I believe is pertinent for every person in this building this morning. And I want to share it with you in the anointing of the Lord. Two weeks ago, I preached on Galatians chapter 1. I told you that I would continue preaching on Galatians as perhaps not every Sunday, but as the times that I am preaching until I finish the book of Galatians. And that's what I plan to continue today, going into Galatians chapter 2. It is a powerful message of great truth that I really am going to ask you to pray that the Holy Spirit will open your mind, your heart, and your very spirit to receive the great truth of God that is contained in this part of His Word. And I'm going to share it with you today as God has put it in my heart. I've been alive in the last couple of days particularly as I've thought about the things that God wants me to say to you this morning based on His Word in Galatians chapter 2. So I welcome you to turn with me in your Bible, if you brought it, to Galatians chapter 2. Note the scriptures as I bring them to you and share them with you. I will also go to other places in the book of Galatians this morning to support the, the truth of this message. And I will also go to another place in the scriptures, probably more than one, but particularly to a, a verse or a passage in the book of Philippians. So Galatians chapter 2, the basic part of this chapter is teaching us the message of the crucified life. And that's what I want to give to you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will fall in this place this morning. Not just on your servant as this word is preached, but upon every person in this place so that our ears will be quickened to receive the words of God, and so that our hearts will be open for the word of God to be planted, and our spirits will be receptive so that we can take and live by and act upon every word spoken by your Holy Spirit today. We believe you for your anointing, Lord, because you promised it, and because your word deserves it. And I ask that everything that you want done in this service from this moment forward, and as I preach this message, will be done for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can always go back and listen to any previous message by going to our website, going to the media page, and clicking on audio sermons. And last time I preached on Galatians is there on that list, and it's just simply titled Galatians chapter 1. This one will be titled Galatians 2, The Crucified Life. Many people go to listen to them again the same day or the next day or so, I presume, because sometimes by the time the week is over, most of them have been listened to multiple times. I'm calling your attention to this in particular because this is something that deserves to be heard until you receive it, until it penetrates your very being, until you know that it's alive in your spirit. This truth deserves to be heard again and again. When I talked about Galatians chapter 1, I talked about the fact that Paul was greatly concerned about the collection of churches throughout the region of Galatia because they were listening to people who were teaching them a different gospel from the one that Paul had preached to them. 
And it was basically this. People who were still attached to the faith of Judaism were going about in the Christian churches, particularly among the Gentiles, and telling them that the only way you can generally be saved is to follow through with the covenant and the sign of the covenant of Abraham, and that was circumcision, and that would assure your salvation because you're resting your confidence in the Old Testament and in the New. Paul said, for anyone preaching that message, let him be accursed. Any message that is preached other than the gospel I declared to you, Paul said, is accursed. And he said it twice in the same breath almost. Let him who preaches that message be accursed. Now the power of that statement validates the importance of the message that Paul preached. And that was salvation is by faith and faith alone. The grace of God enables us to be saved by faith. By grace are you saved through faith, he wrote to the Ephesians. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, not of circumcision, not of keeping the law, not of anything from the past, not of works. As any man could boast, it is all in God's plan of salvation by faith. That was what he declared basically in chapter 1. Now he goes on in chapter 2 to validate the authenticity of his apostleship. He lets these people in the churches of Galatia know that he is an apostle appointed of God, chosen out of due season, selected by the purpose and plan of God, miraculously changed from a persecutor of the faith to a believer and preacher of the truth of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul now stood as an apostle of the faith because he had received the revelation of the truth of the New Testament. And it was that revelation that Paul based the authenticity of his apostleship upon. He tells these Galatian churches that after he was saved, he spent three years in Arabia. And that three years was receiving and assimilating into himself the revelation of the gospel. After that period of time, he went up to Jerusalem, and he spent 15 days with the apostle Peter. So he got to know Peter quite well, which enabled him to do something I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. It's also contained here in chapter 2. After he went up and visited with Peter, he went back to the, to the other regions where he had ministered and where God was using him, Cilicia, Cyprus, those areas that he mentions, and he spent another 14 years receiving the revelation of God. And then he says, at the end of that time, he went to Jerusalem again. This time he met with the influential leaders of the church. They didn't have titles, but they, he recognized their influence. Although he said their influence didn't matter to me. They were just men like I am. God shows no partiality. All of this is in chapter 2. When you read it, you'll find it all right there. But he said, I shared with them the message that God had given me to preach to the Gentiles to be sure that I was on the right course. In other words, I was authenticating the message that God had given me in Revelation by speaking to these other 
spiritual men and getting their response to it. Now their response to the Apostle Paul's teaching them what the Holy Spirit had taught him was a powerful one. They agreed with it. They all accepted it. There were some who still wanted to hold on to the old tenets of Judaism and wanted to keep hanging on to the elements of the law. And out of those people, the Judaizers came and tried to corrupt the faith of the Gentiles. But the leaders of the church accepted the revelation that the Holy Spirit had given to the Apostle Paul and declared him to be valid in his faith and in his teachings. So he left then and went back to preaching and ministering in his missionary tours again. And out of all of that comes his declaration to the Galatians that I am preaching a message to you given to me by the Spirit of God, revealed to me by Jesus of Nazareth himself, shown to me in the work of the Holy Spirit in my alone time of seeking God, and I have corroborated that message with the leaders of the, two, of the New Testament church. And anybody who comes and preaches a different message to you tells you that you need to do something else to be saved, that the work of Christ on the cross is not a finished work, but you still have to add something to it. Anybody who comes teaching that to you, preaching that to you, is preaching to you an accursed gospel. That is a message, he said, that is a curse that is under the leadership of Satan and not under the leadership of the Spirit of God. There's one gospel and one gospel only. And that gospel says that you are saved by the grace of God. That means you do you have no recommendation in your life that makes you deserving of this salvation. You don't receive any part of it because you're better than other people or because you're a good person. You receive it because God provided the grace, the unmerited, undeserved favor that allows us to be saved through the power of the cross. And in that favor, we put faith and by our faith, then we are saved and delivered from the power of sin. And then Paul goes on to talk in a great, strong, powerful way. I want you to look with me at verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2. This verse has a special meaning and a special treasure for me. When I was a very young man, leaving high school and getting away, ready to go to college, the pastor of my church asked me to preach one time before I went off to college, knowing that I planned to enter the ministry. And when I preached on that Wednesday night, this is the verse that I chose to preach on. And I will tell you, in all honesty, I preached it under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, but I only had probably about 1% of understanding of what it meant. Over the years and over the time of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, I've come to see more and more and more what these words of the Apostle Paul meant. I wish I'd known them all at the same time. But it took Paul 14 years to get the revelation of the New Testament. So I suppose that if I take this in many, many years, that having gained the understanding that I've come to today, I'll just appreciate that. And I do. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is what the King James says. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. 
and the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A powerful statement. And I'm going to try to share with you some of the power that it contains. Here's what the English Standard Version says. I'll read this one. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that is to say in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that's important to recognize, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God. Because what he's saying to all these Galatians is that salvation is by faith. It requires nothing else. It requires no work of the law. It requires no sacrifice in the temple. It requires no observance of the holy days. It requires no feast day to be anointed and recognized. It requires nothing on the Sabbath day. It doesn't require the Ten Commandments. It doesn't require anything out of the Old Testament that was the law. There was grace in the Old Testament, but there was law. And he says that the law in the Old Testament has nothing to do with the salvation provided by Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. And that, my friends, is important for you and me today to understand, as well as it was important for the people in the churches of Galatia to understand. Salvation, by grace and through faith alone. So that's what he says to them. I am crucified with Christ. Now, there's a lot of teaching, not among us and our fellowship, but in the world there's a lot of teaching about how you have to suffer with Christ. There are people who think that you have to crawl up long flights of steps and bloody your knees and, 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 and flagellate your body. There are people who feel like you have to do something. You have to do something. And all you really need to do is believe God and become identified with him in his cross. And when you are crucified with Christ, it doesn't mean that you have to feel his physical sufferings. You don't have to go out and get a nail written in your hand. You don't have to go out and have somebody pierce your side with a spear. You don't have to do anything physical to suffer to, in, in the way of suffering, to identify with the cross of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with physical suffering. When Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, he's not talking about dragging something in great weight behind you so that your body can feel pulled down so you'll recognize the suffering that Jesus had. We cannot, we cannot, listen, we cannot identify with the physical sufferings of Jesus because he was dying under the penalty of sin, and it was not a natural death. It wasn't a normal death. It wasn't an ordinary death. The death of Jesus was a supernatural death. We can never feel that. But what we can do as we become crucified with him, putting our faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, we can receive the benefits that are planned and provided through the cross for us by our faith in him. That's what happens when we are crucified with him. We enter into the power of his crucifixion. We re recognize and receive into our lives the value of the crucifixion. We walk daily in the acknowledgement that our life is our life, our life eternal, that is, 
a life we're living, we're living because Jesus died to provide that life. We're crucified with him. There's another powerful verse that I'll share with you later on that even adds more to this. But let me just tell you this. When you are crucified with him, you enter into the benefits to receive the blessings that Jesus died to provide. So you accept his grace. The cross is a declaration of grace. The unmerited favor, undeserved favor of God the Father. You accept his grace. You accept the forgiveness of sins. And you're identifying with him in the crucifixion. You accept forgiveness of sins. That's how forgiveness is provided. Because Jesus died to make that a reality. You accept the totality of the cross. All that the cross means. Nothing else is needed to accomplish God's salvation. I know I said that several times. I want to make that emphatic. Whatever you may think you have to do to be saved, it is erroneous unless you're saying I have to believe God for my salvation. Everything else is an error, my friends. So, we believe in the finished work of Calvary. Jesus died on the cross, all the things that happened in connection with his death. When I say this, I am making the crucifixion and the resurrection all a part of that glorious plan of God. The crucifixion is a part of the resurrection. The resurrection is a part of the crucifixion. It's all the plan of God for us, and that is the finished work of Calvary. So our choice is that we can walk in a way that the world teaches, but we can walk in a way that God's Word teaches. We can walk in the way of man, or we can walk in the way of the cross. But if we walk in the way of man, we will fail, we'll miss God's plan, we'll miss salvation, and God knows that, and we know that the plan of man does not lead us to heaven. Only God's plan takes us there. I'm going to tell you today that identifying with the cross is more than just saying some words. And this is, what, this is what the apostle went on to say. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, the crucifixion is death. Nevertheless, I live. I'm alive because Jesus died. I identified with his death, and that made me alive. And then he says, but it isn't I. It isn't my life anymore. I live. But it is Christ living in Christ lives in me. And the Word teaches us that Christ does live in us, and we live in Him. He is in us, we're in Him. We are in Him in the identification that we have when we say, I am crucified with Christ. Recognizing that crucifixion isn't just death for us. Crucifixion is death to sin so that we can live in the righteousness of God and become the righteousness of God in Christ. So it's a powerful statement for us to understand. Christ is living in us. And then he says, this life that I live, this life that I live is not by things that I do. This life that I live is by faith. That's what he wants the Galatians to know. All of this comes by faith. There's another time that Paul was very powerful about this identifying with the cross. And straightforward to say that when he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 10, one of my favorite passages of Scripture he said, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now that's 
furthering this teaching to the Galatians about identifying with the cross, being crucified with Christ. Paul said, I want to know, and the King James puts it this way, not participation. The King James says, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And again, I will tell you that we cannot receive or accept in our bodies the sufferings of the Savior. That's not what he's talking about. But in the fellowship of his sufferings, we receive what he died to provide for us. We're not going out to flagellate our bodies, to feel pain and therefore glorify God. We're going out to exercise faith and glorify him that Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross but is now alive. And in the glory of God, we share his power to live a resurrected life, to live a life given to us by the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We live this life by faith because the power of the cross makes it possible for us to do that. We're crucified with him, and the power of that resurrection coming through the cross is poured into us. And that Holy Spirit who enabled Jesus to die under the hand of Father God And that Holy Spirit that then raised him from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells in us. So we have within our lives the power of the resurrection and the power of the crucifixion. And it's all in power to to give us power to live this godly life. To know the fellowship of his sufferings is to know what his suffering provides for us. So, I would say to you today, that the goal we ought to have is to be crucified with him. To be in the, to be living in the power of his resurrection. I want to point out to you something that the Lord showed me. I don't, I don't think I read this or saw this anywhere. If I do it, 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 if I did it, escape my attention and came to me again as the Lord led me back to it. But I was reading about this power. This, this death of Jesus and all that it means to us. And, and, and trying to get beyond the fact of, of just seeing his figure nailed to a cross. Beyond that, into what this message really is for our lives. And somehow it, I, I started to think about the things that Jesus said on the cross. And I'm saying this to tell you that being crucified with Christ is victory. It's death to sin and self, but it's the greatest victory that we can have. When we identify with the cross, we're not identifying with a failure. We're not identifying with defeat. We're not even just identifying with death except as death to sin. We're identifying with victory and we're identifying with power. And this substantiated it to me. I was reading the scripture in in the gospel according to Luke when it talks about his crucifixion. It is in Luke that Jesus said, Into your hands I commit my spirit, or commend my spirit, Lord, Father God. Into your hands I release my spirit, give myself up to you. Every picture that you've ever seen of Jesus hanging on the cross, if you find one different, please let me know and I'll stop saying this. But every picture I've ever seen of Jesus dying on the cross, it has a picture of him on the cross, blood coming out of his wounds, and he's, and he's hanging on the cross like in a stupor, and his head held up. Like, almost like he's already dead. But that's not the way Jesus died. 
When I read Luke, I saw a totally different picture of the crucifixion. Luke says, Jesus spoke. And immediately after he said, reported by John, immediately after he said, it is finished. This work, this plan, this purpose, it's finished. I've completed what you sent me to do on the cross, Father God. It is finished. And then he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Luke says then, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He voluntarily gave up his spirit. That's why when the soldiers came thinking that they were going to find those men still alive, they wanted to get rid of them before the Sabbath day. We're going to break their legs so they would die quickly. They didn't break the legs of Jesus because he had already completed his purpose and yielded his spirit back to the Father. He died according to his own timing, according to the timing of Father God, and he died not in defeat but in victory. I give up my spirit, he said. Hallelujah. And, 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 and this, is, this is how I know it. The whole time he was on the cross, he wasn't just hanging with He was talking while he was on the cross. He was ministering to people. He was saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. He was ministering to individuals and to collectively the people standing there. He wasn't hanging on the cross with his head bowed down, whispering, not able to speak. No matter what pictures you've seen, no matter what movies you've seen, no matter what art you've seen, that's not according to the Bible the way it was. Jesus was in full control of his senses and faculties the whole time he was on the cross. And when he came to the end of it, he voluntarily gave up his spirit, sent his spirit into the hands of the Father. And then, the scripture says, I repeat, he bowed his head. If his head was already hanging, he didn't need to bow it. He was the whole time there with his head erect, conscious, aware, and then at the very close, he bowed his head as he gave up the spirit. That's all to say to us that he did that voluntarily. And it is to say to us that identifying with him in his cross is not identifying with defeat. It's not identifying ourselves with death, except as it relates to death of ourself and death of sin. It means that we are relating to Jesus in his victory. We join in the resurrection because it is in the power of the resurrection through the cross that wouldn't have happened except for the cross. All of that comes to us by the right and gives to us the righteousness of God in Christ and declares that we are righteous with him. I am crucified with him. Crucified with Christ. And we don't want to miss, we do not want to miss that understanding for our lives. And so, when he went on to say to the Philippians that he wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, to participate in his sufferings, become like him in his death, he was referring to all of this that I'm declaring to you now. I am crucified with Christ. And then, I preached to you here uh, April the 3rd, Sunday, April the 3rd. I preached a message here on Galatians from this same book of Galatians, but in the last chapter, chapter 6, I preached on Galatians 6.14. And that message I called, I will glory in the cross. It's on our website. I recommend that if you want to get the fullness of what this teaching of Galatians through the Holy Spirit for us really means to get the whole picture of it. 
get all that you can about understanding of the cross and not just the physical aspects of the cross, but the spiritual power that is in the cross for us. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote at the very end of this book, again, talking to the same Galatians, keeping it in context, the same Galatians, he said to them at the very end in the sixth chapter, God forbid that I should glory in anything in the law, in my learning of the law, in my education about the law, because Paul was an erudite, learned man, according to the laws of Moses. But he gave all of that up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he said, I will not glory in anything, in anything, but the cross of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Philippians, I want to know Christ in the fellowship of his sufferings. Sixth chapter of Galatians, I will glory only in the cross of Jesus Christ, as ignominious as it may be, as, as sorrowful as it may be for some, as challenging as it is for others, as degrading as it is for some who despise it. I will glory in the cross. And then he says, the reason I will glory in the cross for you who want to go back to the law, who want to go back to old ways, who want to return to the things that God's delivered you from, the reason I will glory in the cross is because that cross, that cross, I can say, it is that cross by which I am crucified to the world and the world to me. And so here is the last aspect of this power, last part of Galatians chapter 2 that Paul validates in Galatians chapter 6. And that is, when I am crucified with Christ, it means that the world is crucified to me, and I am crucified to the world. That's where you want to be, Christian friend. That's where you want to be, the one who's seeking God here today, the one who's looking for an answer for your life today, it isn't all just roses and cream. We can tell you, yes, it's wonderful. You can get saved, you can go to heaven. But what you want is a victorious life today. And that victorious life comes to you through the power of the cross. It comes to you through the power of the cross. Through which, that cross by which, you are crucified to the world. And it will take that for you to have victory, my friend, for you to be crucified to the world. And it will also take the second part of that, by whom the world is crucified to me. You cannot live your life crucified with Christ while you're living according to the standards of the world. You've got to turn and live according to the plan and purpose of God in your life. And if you live according to the standards of the world, of the teaching of the world, and the philosophy of the world, you will not maintain any identification with the cross of Jesus Christ in your life. I want to say some important things here. I hope I've said a few important things already up to now. I want to say something else important. The cross will change your life. Identifying with the cross of Jesus Christ will change your life. When you totally identify with the cross of Jesus Christ, saying, I am crucified with Christ, you will not continue the same old ways that you've always lived. You, not will, you will not continue doing the same old things you've always done. You won't keep listening to the siren of the world, the call of the world. 
the appeal of the world, the philosophy of the world. That will turn because the world dies. The world is crucified in the cross of Jesus to the believer. That's what Paul said so clearly. Because I'll glory in the cross because that means that I'm crucified with him and the world is crucified to me. When you get in the depth of the full and the fullness of the cross of Jesus Christ, I will tell you, you will be amazed at the stench this world has. You will be amazed at the at the at the, the utter degradation that you see when you see things in terms of a Bible view, and one view is through the cross, and another is through the philosophy of man and the world. I'm going to tell you it'll cause you to think differently. It'll cause you to speak differently. It'll cause you to act differently. And if it doesn't, you better go back to the cross again and get the full dose. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use myself as an example. I used to really like country music. And I, people would call me up and say, who was it that sang that song? And I'd tell them who sang it. I could tell them all about I would start naming some country artists, but most of, a few of you would know them, but most of you wouldn't know them because they're not today's artists. You start naming some today's artists, and I wouldn't know who they are. But I could tell you about some older ones. And I, and I just enjoyed it. And, and, and really, it wasn't like it is today. But I got, uh, through about 10 years ago, I just started really thinking about what some of these things say. Now, I didn't listen much to the, to the, to the honky-tonk, you know, and, and, and the song and and you, uh, how liquor makes it better, and, and, and uh, I'm on my fourth wife and trying to get rid of her so I can get my fifth one. I didn't, that wasn't the song that I listened to. But, but, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I, I, I did listen to it a lot. I liked it. I'd get in my car, and that's why I was on my car. And, uh, and I came to the place that I started thinking all this through. And I'll tell you what happened. I started to pray more. I told you about the time I started to pray, really started seeking God because I wanted to do something with the rest of my life for God. And I started really seeking the Lord, and God spoke to me of those over a period of maybe two and a half to three years. And, I, and it was during that time that all this began to happen. And, and I don't think the Lord ever said to me, you're going to go to hell if you don't stop listening to that music. I don't think he ever said that to me. But he, got, he showed me things that were so much better. So, and, 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 and it just started to change. It just started to change. I listened. I said, well, you know, finally he said, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. I'm just about through this. I'm tired of it. I'm through with it. And I just put my old radio settings on different, different stations and, and uh, set aside all the CDs. You go to my house when I'm moving. I, if you go to my house, and I still have them. I have no idea which ones are there. I don't even know. I don't think I threw them all away. I've got, I've got a collection of CDs that I don't want to tell you about because I don't want you to run up saying, Pastor, if you want to throw them away, give them to me. I don't want you to do that. But I, I've got a bunch of those, and they're almost all country music. I haven't listened to, I might have listened to one or two country songs in the last several years. Uh, I never think about it anymore. And I'm just simply telling you that it was, it, was, it was a way of the world. It wasn't necessarily, it just took my mind from the things that I ought to have them on if I were going to be living in the crucified life with Jesus. 
And I haven't missed it. I will admit sometimes I'll see something pop up on the Internet or somewhere, and I'll say, oh, I remember that song, and I might listen to it through one more time. But, uh, but I have no attachment. My point is this. I have no attachment to that anymore. I want to get that unattached to everything in my life that is unlike the cross of Jesus Christ and that does not glorify and honor him so that I can declare I will glory only in the cross of Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Because we want to move aside from the world into the fullness of the glory and the power of God. So, you want me to say just a couple more things? Right on down the line, going right on down the line. If you listen to some of the music, now I'm not the connoisseur of music today, so I cannot speak authoritatively for you except based on what I know, not through listening, but through listening, learning about them. And so if you listen to some of the music today, you better get your sight on right. Better get your hearing aids adjusted, better get your vision set, better get your mind in the right place and get your heart in the right place because you will not listen to some of the music that's out there today and be crucified with Christ and the world be crucified to you. You're listening to the world. You're listening to the message of the world. And it's the world beating on your eardrums and on your heart for you to believe what they're saying. And I will say to you, as much as I think some of it, most of it is so bad, I'm going to tell you that the worst thing out there right now is, the, is what is called the hip-hop culture. Woo! I could have stopped before I said that, couldn't I? I, I, don't, I don't care. I'm just going to say it anyway. Because here's what happens. One of the worst things that has happened to our culture, the culture of the United States of America, one of the worst things that ever happened to us has been the proliferation of television. I don't think I've gone way off the deep end, and I'm going to tell you to get rid of your television set, because I know if I did, you'd get them all out. <laughs> but I am going to tell you there's a lot of stuff on there and, and that you don't need and you shouldn't have. I'm going to tell you the other part about it. One of the worst things that happened for your family, for the boys and girls that grew up in the last few years, one of the worst things that happened in your family and one of the worst things that's happened to our culture is something on TV called MTV. I think it means music television. I qualify whether it's music or not, but, but, but I haven't watched it, but I have had people tell me about it and I've read about it. And I'm going to tell you that what that is saying is not honoring or glorifying to God. And if you think that those things that are being put forth, that worldly view, that sinful connotation, that suggestive life that says you can live as a libertine and not damage your relationship with God, you are being deceived and deluded by a lie. And I'm still talking about, I'm still talking about being crucified with Christ and the cross crucifying us to the world. It's very clear. By, Paul said, glory of the cross by which the world is crucified to me and I am crucified to the world. It says that the living of the cross, living in identification with the cross, living in the power of the cross, will liberate you and set you free from the call and the demands and the pull of the world in your life. If you're truly in the cross of Jesus, 
you will be separated from the pull of the world into that carnality and sin and degradation that the world wants you to live in. So, if you've got your radio set to the wrong stations, I suggest you learn how to reset the buttons. And if that's what you're listening to, I suggest that you parents put a block on that channel, and not just that channel. You could block that one channel and still be 50 more. But I'm just talking about that one because that, I think, is the heinous one. And somebody will say, well, Pastor, you know, it's just, you know, they said that about everything coming along in the world. You know, you're just outdated. You're just outmoded. It's it's okay, but you're just a little old-fashioned. You don't really know what's going on today. I know more than I need to know and more than I ought to know. And I will tell you, I'm, what I'm saying to you, I know is the truth. And if you want some things, if you want some things in your home and in your family, and what, to the extent that your parents can do anything about it, you need to do something about it. And to the extent that you young people over here, I'm talking every one of you. I admire you. I appreciate you. I pray for you. I'm not trying to jump on you and belittle you. But I'm telling you, you need to be aware that what I'm saying to you is the absolute truth. And if you're going to live for Jesus, you need to make a turn in your life and give some things up that are not like Jesus. Hear the voice of the Lord. Hear the voice of the Lord. Hear the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will call you into righteousness with God. The Holy Spirit will call you into being crucified with Christ. And when you really are crucified with Him, it will crucify the world to you and you to the world. And you will live in victory of the Lord and in the power of the Lord because that's the promise of God for us. Hallelujah. Be st- if you believe it, say amen. I know you do. Praise God. Everybody stand with me.